Just our real estate episode number 297. Number one, um, I don't like rehabbers. I, I don't like landlords with experience and I don't like experienced uh, rehabbers. So there, I said it. All right, guys, welcome to Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host, and I've got a great one for you today. I interviewed Tom Kroll. He is a wholesaler from Florida, and man, he really gave up the goods. He brought his A-game and shared tons of information with you, so much so that I am breaking this interview into two parts. I will give you part one today. Next Monday, you'll get part two, and I'm telling you, this this interview was awesome. I mean, just he really, really, really gave up the goods and and really told a lot about his business and the tools, specific tools he uses in his business. So I highly suggest you get a pen and paper, get ready to write these things down because I know I was taking notes furiously during the interview because like I said, he was talking about all the tools, all the apps, all the software, the way he hires people, what he has them do, and the way he basically laid out his entire business, the structure of it, and all of his systems. So if you even remotely have an interest in wholesaling, this is the interview for you. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out and some love to our new sponsor, LandlordStation.com. LandlordStation.com is a one-stop shop for small landlords. They offer tenant screening, and you know if you listen to the show for any length of time, I have screwed up royally when it comes to screening tenants. You must screen your tenants. You must do a good job of that, or you are going to be really sorry. It's going to cost you thousands of dollars, and LandlordStation.com offers tenant screening for you guys, that alone makes it worthwhile. But when you get there, you're going to be very happy to find out that they also offer online rent payment software and services. They offer e-signatures, document storage, and rental applications. They literally have everything you need. Go check them out. I highly suggest that you go there and sign up and give them a shot. If you go to the website on the right-hand side, click on the Landlord Station banner and you will get 50% off of tenant screening. That's awesome. That alone is is worth the time to go there and check it out. So go there, check it out. Go to the website, landlordstation.com. Tell them I sent you right in there. uh, Just start into the box, the promo code, just start, and you will get 50% off of tenant screening. I hope you go check them out. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here as always. I'm really excited about my guest today. It's someone I've been pursuing like a dog for the last couple of weeks here, and I finally got him on the show, and I'm excited about it. I've got on the line Tom Kroll. Tom Kroll is what I would uh, what I would classify as a, a rocket ship star going straight up into outer space as a wholesaler. Uh, he started a few years ago. As a matter of fact, I just found out that today is his two-year anniversary of being in the business, and uh, he's a wholesaler and he's down in Port Lucie, Florida and uh, just killing it down there. I, I know I've heard him on other podcasts. This guy is the real deal and he's got some very, very cool things to share with us today. I'm excited to have him here. Tom, man, welcome and thank you, brother. Terrific. Thanks, Mike. That was a great introduction. I appreciate it and uh, awesome. I, I can hear you're as excited about wholesaling as I am, so 
awesome. <laughs> I love it. You know, just to tell you a little bit about me, I'm I'm really a, a house flipper over the last seven years. But over the last six months, I I, I sort of changed my strategy on, on getting leads and getting deals. It wasn't working through the MLS anymore. So I realized uh, a while back that I really need to start direct marketing and going after sellers, direct to sellers myself. If I wanted to take control of the amount of leads I was getting, I had to take control. I couldn't go and just rely on realtors and the MLS. Nothing against realtors or the MLS. It just wasn't there like it used to be. And I started getting so many leads that even as a house flipper, I was kind of drowning in my own leads. So I started calling up, when you're a house flipper for seven years, guess who you make friends with? a lot of other house flippers, right? Right. <laughs> so I would start getting these leads and I could literally pick up the phone and go, hey, I've got this lead. This is where it is. This is what I want. This is what... And by the way, because I'm a house flipper, they knew that I knew what I was talking about with the rehab. And I'd say, this is what it needs done to it. Are you interested? And it'd be like, yeah, I'm definitely interested. Let's do it. And, we, and I just started wholesaling like six months ago and the wholesaling business is taking off like crazy. So you're right. I am excited about wholesaling. I, I love it, man. It's, it's uh, some of the coolest way to do it in this business. And I'm excited to talk to you about your business. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because I think really wholesaling is the cornerstone of all real estate investing. If you're good at uh, wholesaling, even if you're not in the REI game, you can just get your primary residence this way. Uh, that's the, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I can't believe it's legal. <laughs> and I'm often questioned by agents of whether or not it's legal. But I, I love it. And it's a it's an honest, wholesome good way to make literally a fortune in in a very short amount of time. I know you brought up that it's my two-year anniversary, and you're right. Today, today, the, today, the day is actually my two-year anniversary of when I started, and it's fantastic. I, I uh, Two years ago, I would have said, hey, Mike, can I borrow 50 bucks for gas? And uh, <laughs> now I'm buying houses for cash to keep as rentals, which is absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> That's a, that is amazing. And I'll bet two years ago today, you were terrified and weren't even sure if it was going to work, right? Absolutely. And you know, it's funny, I, I started my career it, like most people do. And, and like most people fail it is I started my career by education, education, education. I was so motivated. I was pumped up. I would wake up early. I'd get to Panera Bread. I'd be there before they open. I'd be listening to all these podcasts and it would it'd be great. I'd be soaking into devouring information. And I wasn't I was listening, but I wasn't taking any action. It's like, yeah. oh man! So then I kind of had that epiphany, and then man, out of the gate, it was fantastic. So, um, yeah, that, it's it's been a game changer, and I, I love it. I really do. It's 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 great, and as long as it's legal, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about the beginning. Let's talk about. Let's step back to maybe just before real estate. What were you doing? Why did you stop doing it? And how did you actually break into real estate? Sure, I, I didn't. It, I didn't stop doing it by choice. I was selling lawn care <laughs> service, and uh, I was sitting there. I was wearing my lucky Tommy Bahama socks. It was my thirteenth. Uh, yeah, it was uh, my 13th year uh, wedding anniversary, and I was on the internet looking for places to eat uh, for that night for dinner. And uh, uh, I, the district manager and the vice president of sales came into my office. They were not scheduled to be there that day, and they uh, shut the door, and uh, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> So they so, weren't uh, there to offer you a raise. That's I take. No, 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 no raise. Apparently, when you don't make one single sale in uh, seven months, <laughs> that you don't get to keep your job still in lawn care service. Nice. So <laughs> it was. Uh, but what a, what a blessing! And I'll tell you, you know, to anyone who's listening who's just starting out, uh, that was the fifth time I had been fired in the past twelve years. I've had nothing really but sales jobs. Uh, so I am not a good salesman. 
I have learned that now five times. So um, I'm not a good salesman. So the good news is you don't have to be a salesman uh, to be a wholesaler. As a matter of fact, I think being a salesman can actually hurt you because uh, you, what I, you know, one thing I always say is you want to be a deal finder, not a deal creator. Exactly. So yeah, so it, it's been key. But yeah, I started off that way. I got fired and of course, I started getting my resume out there. We didn't really have any money, uh, you know, any large sums of money. I mean, I was pretty much paycheck to paycheck. I had a little bit in savings, um, but less than $5,000. And my brother, uh, Todd Toback, he was saying, hey, Tom, you know, you got to get into wholesaling. And I said, oh, no, you're crazy. San Diego is a different market than Port St. Sleepy, Florida. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got big assignments out there and, you know, there's not enough people here. And this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And eventually I gave in. And he started showing me the business, and uh, I really still fought him. I still fight him every day, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he's really the one who showed me how to do it. And uh, I started the same way everybody else does, with a little bit too much education and not enough action. But we, and that's really that's where it started. And I just kind of haven't looked back since then. That's awesome. And let's get some perspective here. When you lost your job, were you single, married, kids, no kids? Married and uh, yeah, married and it was actually that night, that day I lost my job was my thirteenth year wedding anniversary. I <laughs> nice. see. I mean, you know what? That's the kind of thing that'll motivate someone, right? You lose a job and, and you're married. You you don't really have a choice. It's sort of like sink or swim. And and if you're if you have any fight in you at all, you're gonna you know you're gonna swim like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. I think that what I find with most people who start off is they all have the same motivation level. As a matter of fact, they have the highest level of any any person uh, in any stage of wholesaling is when you start off because you can see the possibilities. You know, you go online and you see all these guys. You know, ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar checks consistently, and it's very motivational. But I think what happens is the motivation starts to wane if they are focused on the wrong areas. And I I I know that that's. A huge problem. There's some others too. A lot of people have, you know, they uh, they call it the education as analysis paralysis, and then you've got uh, shiny object syndrome, and then uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that get people. But uh, yeah, that that for me was my huge wake up call was when I got fired, and then I I really realized. I think I was listening actually to a podcast with, um, I, I heard Chris Chico on one of the podcasts, and he said, "Oh, you know, you got to take action," and I really took it to heart, and. Uh, yeah, so that that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's really, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on here, and that's really what this podcast's about is trying to like really just light a fire to people and get them to get out there and just start their their business. And like you said, you know, that analysis paralysis or whatever you want to call it, it is the biggest killer of success in really any industry, not just real estate. It's just it's a killer, right? I mean, you said yeah. it, you said it before we got on the air. Something I'd never heard before, but I like it that education is, what do you say, poison? Cancer, cancer, cancer. Oh, cancer. not even po- not even poison. Cancer, right? Yeah, it is the worst. Uh, it is absolutely, and I, you know, I have students now, and I can tell you that um, the number one, right, the first barrier that you've got to cross, and the first hurdle you have is getting over education. Uh, these are this is especially true with anybody who's a perfectionist. They want to know it all before they act. Um, the secret is you are not going to ever know everything about wholesaling. Um, you know, it's so funny. I'll get like a question from a student and they'll say, oh, you know, on the HUD, there was this line and I'm really not sure. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like, 
You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, you. It's funny. You. I listened to you on a podcast. I, it might have been Joe McCall's, but you. Yep. Made, you made a. You, you made a comment that stuck with me, and I loved it. I loved it for the honesty, number one. But I just loved it in general because it flies in the face of conventional thinking. It, it was some. I'm bar- I'm paraphrasing it, but it was something yep. along the lines of you said something like, "I don't really know anything about real estate. I just know how to find houses and sell them. Like I don't know." really right. anything like I'm not that smart in real estate it's just I right. know what I need to know to make money well you know it's true I think the other area is is not only do you not know I, you know I really I always compare this business you know I always say we have not it has nothing to do with real estate it's really more of a pawn shop which is is okay and I'm I I, I love the fact that it's like a pawn shop because um the same guy um who's going to go to the pawn shop is the same guy that I want to buy a house from um you know I want to be able to help them get quick cash for whatever reason to solve whatever problem they're looking to solve but this idea of knowing before you act so that you can feel comfortable, it really goes through that the, the whole beginning process even to the second deal. And what I find is that even some of the students who can get that first deal, they still struggle with inconsistent income and they, the second deal is even a little bit harder. And at that point, they're not stuck on how to start, but they're stuck on things like valuations and, and things that are just really silly that they really shouldn't be stuck on. So I think the core essential part of wholesaling that is abs- it's essential to for success is you just have to be comfortable not knowing you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable so once you say hey look i'm not an appraiser five appraisers will appraise the same house for different numbers so even if i was i still wouldn't know what i was doing right. so i'm okay with not knowing everything be- before i take that first step that's really the secret to success with wholesaling that's really the the key to to getting consistent deals every single month. Yeah, and and that's a that's a huge point and I'm glad you made that. And you know, a lot of people fall under that heading of they're just trying to get educated forever. I mean, I'll, I I've admitted I can say it now cuz I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. I waited um I waited like 6 years to actually get started. I decided I wanted to be a real estate investor and it wasn't until 6 years later I bought my first house. So it's it's ridiculous the amount of fear and paralysis or whatever you want to call it people fall under when they when they start doing this and they think and by the way after six years i didn't feel like i knew anything i felt like like a total noob so it didn't help (laughs) me i didn't know anything until i did my first deal and once i did my first deal i didn't feel like i didn't know anything anymore i felt like i knew plenty enough to keep going so absolutely it's just getting out there getting started now i want to talk about what really is exciting to me about you and one of the major reasons why I, i pursued you like i said and wanted to get you on here is First of all, you're doing a lot in a short amount of time. You have an impressive business that, that you've that you've got going two years ago. And by the way, I don't even know. I want to find out right now. I don't even know exactly where you are in your success. I know where you were last interview. I heard you do, and I'm not sure how long ago that was. But you're 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 really you're, you're kind of taking the concept of all right. Let's just go after this at a thousand miles an hour, and and you're really walking the walk and talking the talk. And I know because I've heard you talk about it numerous times. So we're gonna talk about your business, and we're gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you things like where do you find sellers, where do you find your buyers. But before we do that, because I know this is where we're gonna end up. Let's just start sure. where I, where I know we're gonna end up. You do a fantastic, phenomenal job of utilizing other people's time and energy, and specifically uh, virtual assistants. And I just want to find out 
what are you what are you doing today with virtual assistants and then maybe tell people how you how you got there like in other words at some point it was just you right when you started you were doing everything yes (laughs) who who did you hire first why did you hire them first and then let's just kind of fast forward to to what you have other people doing for you in your business now sure so so let me just preface the conversation by, by by the statement by just saying this when it comes to hiring anyone and 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 now i'm uh, my philosophy on this is is has been matured from when i first started um to a new point which is really you have to start by being very honest with yourself first and what i mean by that i, I mean that in two ways the first way is you have to know not just what you're good at, but what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And you need to be okay with knowing that, hey, you know what? I, I'm very good. I can get in front of any motivated seller and I know I can lock up the deal for lower than anyone else out there. And that's what I'm really good at. Um, but you know what I really stink at? God forbid I ever get audited <laughs> because <laughs> my paperwork is all over the place. So oh th- that's, you know, being organized and detailed is not for me. I am not good at that stuff. So, so I knew that kind of early on. And what I, I had a lot of failures with VAs in the beginning because I was kind of task, I was, I was doing task based stuff and I was outsourcing the wrong things. Um, one thing specifically that I've really kind of honed in on is this recognition of the difference between a visionary and a leader. And where do you fit and, and where, who are you? Are you a visionary? Are you like Caesar or are you more like a leader, like Maximus, where you're going to take the company and you're going to do everything and oversee everything and measure and fight and be in it every single day? Or do you kind of want to be out of it and have a really great idea that you can communicate because it's crystal clear and hire the right people to lead the team to your goals? Right. So I, I think that that's where you first need to start is, are you a visionary or are you a leader? Once you make that decision, then you have to get a little more granular and say, okay, well, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I enjoy? What do I not enjoy? And then you just need to hire competent people to do that. And really, you need to work backwards from 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 that point. So to get more specific, one thing that you know everyone's always asking me about is how I work with VAs when I was still um, – going out to see houses. I, I don't do that anymore. Now I have acquisition managers. But one thing that my acquisition managers do with our VAs is is very interesting. I don't think that acquisition managers or house buyers or whatever you want to call them, the guys who actually go out to meet with the motivated sellers, those guys are typically not really detail-oriented. So I don't want my top talent filling in a database. And when I say database, I know everyone's like, oh, high rise or Podio or whatever. Whatever database it is, it doesn't make a difference. Um, The bottom line is my top talent, if they're meant for one purpose, they should not be wasting time doing data entry. So what we did is we designed a system where the VA is actually the middle person between the database and data entry and, and the acquisition manager. And essentially what happens is we have this entire system where the the, the acquisition manager is constantly only focused on being in front of or speaking to motivated sellers. Everything else is communicated to the VA and then put into the the database. So the database has a singular function for the uh, house buyer, which is data collection. Right. So what is the address of the house? When did we send out a written offer? All of this, all of the stuff. So we have a very simple, the five ways a phone call should end worksheet that all of our, our acquisition managers adhere to. But all of that is done. The interface of the database is for the VA, not for 
the acquisition manager. So our acquisition managers, they couldn't tell you anything about about our database because they're not really interacting with it. They're interacting with the VA directly who's giving them direction. Nice. So I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense the way I just explained it, but d- 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 do you – is that kind of yeah yeah it does okay. it does and I'm wondering I was just taking notes while you were talking because I had a couple questions for you so does the VA who does the the data input do they have real estate experience or can it just be anybody uh, they don't they have no real estate experience because they're they're only relaying information so for instance let me tell you the way a VA starts his day and a, a acquisition manager starts their day they have a specific email for instance um take our acquisition manager gary who i'm looking at across the hall here um he he will have an email called uh well i don't want to give out his email but let's just say it's called uh tasks for gary at gmail.com okay and uh which is not his real email address guys <laughs> <laughs> so um, what will happen is that email is only to be used between him and the VA. Um, so the VA will send three – she starts the day at 9 o'clock with the, with the acquisition manager. She will send three tasks to the VA, which are the three hottest tasks, which are based on um, a whole prioritization schedule that we have for our tasks in our database. Um, she'll send them via – Gmail to this email with the name, telephone number, address, multiple telephone numbers if there are, the address of the property, and the information that the the house buyer needs to comp. The house buyer then can be in his office or in the vehicle. He can look at the email. He can quickly scan it and um, because you don't want data overload on this, right? You can basically pull most information out from basic information, and he'll call the the seller. Uh, At the end of that call, all of our phone calls only ended one of five ways. It's either hot, which means we go and lock it up right away, or we send a, we send a um, we send a mobile notary to get the deal. Uh, two is it's not hot, so we send a time sensitive written offer. Three is voicemail, which means if it's sent, we leave a voicemail. It's an automatic system that we the VA handles where we leave a voicemail, and if it's the first time we're calling them back, we also send a text message. Okay. Uh, number four is it's a, it's a, either a cash buyer, a landlord, a rehabber, an agent, a broker, another wholesaler. So it's some other person who would be on the other side of the transaction. Yep. So we just take note of that and put them in the appropriate place. Uh, or number five is it's it's a very rude person who uh, wants who's asking to be removed, and then that occasion we actually take them out of the database. And the reason we do that is because every five months we voice blast our whole database just to say. Hey, you know, we talked about a while back. Are you still interested? Okay. So all of that happens. So the, all that the VA, all of the acquisition manager does is he relays that. Now we use an app called WhatsApp because it allows for international voice text. Uh, and they'll just say, uh, Gary will say to, um, to uh, the VA, Hey, um, I don't, I can't think of the name of his VA, whoever it is, but uh, hi, uh, you know, Shelly, um, on this house, one two three Main Street, uh, there's no interest. Please send a time sensitive written offer for sixty thousand, okay. and then that's all done automatically. Uh, the callback will be rescheduled, um, and then the task will come come to the VA in two weeks, and then Gary will get a, a task email to call back again in two weeks when the day comes, and not beforehand. Nice. As every task is accomplished, 
there she sends one more task at a time. So there's always a queue of three tasks in the queue. So the VA, or the home buyer rather, doesn't feel overwhelmed that he has 57 tasks, you know, right away. Instead, he's getting one at a time and he's dealing with each one, each opportunity. And then if he needs to step away and unplug, he just steps away. And then as soon as he comes back, he's right back where he started. Let me ask you this then. This is kind of specific, but I like your I like your queue method. What if he calls three people in a row and gets three voicemails? Do then three more things go in the queue? So he has now six things he's juggling that day or how does that work? No, as soon as, let's just say, for instance, he starts with three. Let's just say he calls the first task, he gets a voicemail. That will automatically, he'll, he'll say, um, he'll say, okay, um, Shelly, this, one, two, three Main Street. Uh, I got voicemail. I left a voicemail. Uh, you know, and and then it, she'll know. Shelly will know if it's the first voicemail that we've received or the first call back, and we got a voicemail. She'll automatically send a text. That is now deleted. So now his task is gone until he's going to call back. Which in that case, for the first time, he'd have a call back tomorrow, the next day. Gotcha. Okay. So now that task is out of his completely out of his email and now he only has two tasks now Lorena or or, uh, or Shelly will automatically send a new task to Gary got it okay so yeah. now my burning question after hearing all that and I'm curious and maybe you said it and if you did I apologize I missed it but how how do your how are your inbound calls handled? When people call, do they get a live operator, a voicemail, a combination of both? How does that work? Oh man, this has been the topic of so many <laughs> conversations with <laughs> some of my fellow wholesalers out there. Um, you know, this question has uh, been raised so many times, and here is what I found, and here is what uh, the what I can say is pretty much consistently the answer that I get from most people, and some have gone to live answer and come back to voicemail. Um, bottom line is voicemail for me, and this is just my personal preference, but voicemail is a filter in itself. So we leave a very encouraging voicemail. What I mean by encouraging is we encourage our callers to leave a voicemail. We only have about four different voicemails. One is personal, right? Like Dan, the personal local Port St. Lucie investor. Uh, The other is corporate, meaning it's like more of a company voicemail. Uh, the third voicemail is um, the third voicemail is like a longer, like a Chris Chico three minute, four minute voicemail, and then we have a fourth one that is a whole different side project that is we're still testing. But essentially, um, all of our calls go into a short voicemail. Are uh, the first two are short? The one is 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 a longer one, and it's a filtering system. For instance, the, we ask for three pieces of information: your name, your phone number, and the address of the property you'd like for us to purchase. If the seller leaves three of three pieces of information, the VA will know that that is a top priority, a high priority lead, and that will get first attention. Uh, to specifically answer your question, Mike, there is no live answer. I don't do live answer. I, okay. I, I don't like live answer. Okay. Um, the the uh, If they leave two out of the three, it's it's less. One out of the three, it's less. And if it's a voicemail and a hang up with no, nothing, then that's the least important lead to get back to. Now, let me say this, uh, all leads are very important and we get back to them immediately, but sometimes um, some of our marketing companies aren't in Florida, they're in California or Seattle or Texas, so we can't always control how many leads come in at the same time, although we're getting better at that. Okay. Um, but if we have 67 calls that come in, like this happened to us the other day, uh, 67 calls came in, we have to prioritize them. So this is the voicemail allows us to do that. Okay. Um, we kind of have a no lead left behind mentality. Every single lead is put into the database first before it is contacted, and that is done through a VA. Um, 
And, and that's absolute that, you know, we have this no lead left behind mentality that is, is so crucial because, and this is for anybody who's listening, who's new, and you probably already know this. I'm sure you do. The money in wholesaling is in the database. It's not in the marketing. This is a core differential that is so key to success in wholesaling and to getting off of that roller coaster is that when you market, if you do a deal, that's great. But I want to fill my database because the money is in the follow-up. 99% of the people who call in are not ready to sell their house to you today. Absolutely. So it's the tenacious follow-up, follow-up, follow-up that you have to have. You have to be so pig-headed disciplined about the follow-up because anyone who's making 250 plus in wholesaling, I'm telling you now, has a fat database and that's where the money is. It's not that you get deals in the marketing, but the follow-up is essential. Awesome. All right, guys, that's the first half of the interview with Tom Kroll. And like I said, this guy really gives it up. There's a lot of great information in there. I hope you were taking notes. Next Monday, I'll have the second half of that interview, so definitely stay tuned for that. All right, guys, also don't forget to go to my website, juststartrealestate.com, and click on the House Flipping Formula banner. You will be instantly enrolled in a free four-part video course on real estate investing, and it's a great free course. You can't beat it. And once you get done with that free course, you have the opportunity, if you want, to sign up for the house flipping formula. Guys, you owe it to yourself this year to really take this seriously and make this the year that you become a real investor in real estate. And this house flipping formula course is absolutely the best way to do it. I can't recommend it highly enough. Go check it out. You'll be happy that you did. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. <laughs>